Welcome to episode 58 of the GT on 5G. It's the latest insight scoop on everything 5G. We cover six topics in about 15 minutes, and it's brought to you by More Insights and Strategy. I'm Will Townsend, and joining me again this week is fellow analyst Angel Sag. Let's get started with my first topic. So, Angel, you and I were pre-briefed on this announcement, but it broke today. Uh, T-Mobile announced with Halo a partnership that's going to leverage T-Mobile's pretty expansive footprint in Las Vegas to help Halo deliver on a 5G remote piloted car program. And, um, you know, is this the killer use case that we've all been waiting for with respect to 5G? Um, I think it does demonstrate just the power of 5G with its uh, ultra low latency and its uh, extremely fast throughput over LTE. Um, it's from my perspective, it's pretty exciting. You know, we got to spend time with John Saw as well as one of the founders of Halo. And I believe Halo is founded by former executives from, um, from Uber, um, among some other companies as well. But what are your initial thoughts? Um, my thoughts are that this is one of those applications that was kind of not possible before, mm-hmm. before 5G, um, because I'm sure people had the idea in the past, um, but the upload speeds of 3G and 4G simply weren't good enough to enable a remote driver to bring this car from one user to the next, right? Because this is a a service where um, the consumer technically drives themselves, but the car will be driven to them by a remotely piloted driver. So mm-hmm. um, it's an interesting uh, business. Um, it's a different it's a different 5G use case than what people are mostly expecting out of a, a vehicle, which is full autonomy mm-hmm. um, or some kind of infotainment. Um, so this is an interesting blend of um, what would be considered a car sharing service, but also a you know a driverless car. Um, so it's very interesting, and I do think that this is a um, a really good win for T-Mobile as well, um, because this kind of showcases that T-Mobile's um, open innovation labs are working, yeah. and that the company is attracting enterprises to its network, um, which it has traditionally not done in the past. So mm-hmm. um, this is a really good proof point for one, its network, but two, its business acumen. So I think it's a uh, a really big significance for them. Yeah, you know, and and to kind of clarify things a little bit further as well, I asked this question of John. Um, this doesn't necessarily um, operate on a you know particular you know spectrum band, right? So um, the you know Halo has done you know and they've developed um, all of the uh, you know the the uh, the automation behind it. Um, to leverage the full, you know, sort of spectrum, low, mid, and, you know, and high band. And, and really, this is, you know, this is really demonstrating the power of, you know, having, you know, in T-Mobile, having a 5G network that's, that's deployed in, in that lower and that mid band um, to get the right, you know, kind of level of propagation. And I think it's pretty cool, too, because it, it kind of makes me, you know, think about, you know, how the military, you know, flies, you know, these unmanned drones, you know, remotely from, you know, these bunkers and, you know, containers and that sort of thing. So, you know, it's a similar deal. And, you know, I think this might be a great step, you know, 
uh, in the direction of getting people comfortable with, with you know, autonomous, you know, vehicles and autonomous driving. Like you mentioned, you know, um, it's basically the service will be to deliver the car, you know, remotely without anyone in it, obviously. And then when the user opens the car, then, then they're, they're driving the car. So there's no, there's no you know, remote piloting of the car. And then when there's a, you know, a person in the car, that could change over time. This is, you know, what Halo kind of positioned as, you know, their phase one. But I think the applications are pretty exciting. So we'll definitely keep our eyes and ears open and uh, report back as things develop. But let's move to your first topic this week. And you actually, you found some news that I wasn't aware of related to my alma mater and, um, and 6G. Yeah, so today, I think, um, yeah, so today announcement came through that uh, the University of Texas in Austin, or also known as UT, uh, has officially launched its 6G research center um, with support uh, from major wireless players, including AT&T, Samsung and Qualcomm. Mm -hmm. uh, there are other founding members, including NVIDIA and Interdigital. Um, and this uh, 6G research center will be kind of a bridge between, you know, the UT Department of Electrical and Computer Engineering and the industry and helping one another to research things like terahertz, um, but also how, you know, AI and um, different types of sensors might affect how 6G standards and research are conducted. Mm -hmm. um, apparently, the, the, the founding companies, those five I mentioned, uh, have agreed to fund at least two research projects at the UT uh, Center for 6G, which is called 6G at UT, uh, mm -hmm. for the next three years. And in addition to the funding, they will also contribute uh, industry expertise, working with UT researchers, uh, faculty and students uh, to develop these foundational 6G technologies. So um, this is a, a very involved partnership by the looks of it. Um, and I expect that it will continue to grow as, you know, as more companies want to get involved with 6G early on. Um, but this kind of shows you which companies are already um, engaging early on with, you know, some of the leading in universities in doing technology research. And yeah, it looks like all the big um, companies you would expect in the space um, that would want to work with UT are there. And I think that this will probably grow to a lot more companies than what we see today. Yeah, um, yeah I agree. Since yeah. It's just the yeah. founding, founding of it, right? Yeah, so, and although I was not aware of this news, I'm gonna dig into it over the weekend because I am a long word. Um, I have visited um, the, their lab facility um, where they, they were they were very involved, you know, in, in massive MIMO and 5G and that sort of thing. And I forget the name of the um, of that lab. I'm assuming that this is sort of you know an extension, you know, as they as they look at 6G. And you know they've had a lot of you know investment in the past, you know, uh, with, around 5G with with Qualcomm. Um, NI, you know, formerly National Instruments, that's based in Austin, do a lot of test and measurement for 5G deployment. Um, they've also been a part of, uh, of, you know, this, you know, kind of uh, joint venture with UT, you know, for 5G. So I expect NI is probably involved in this, but this is exciting for my alma mater. And, uh, you know, hey, we haven't even finished deploying 5G and we've already got universities focused on it, which I think is the right thing to do to get ahead of everything. So. 
But let's move to my second topic this week. And um, I want to talk about AT&T and Google. So uh, during Mobile World Congress in our last podcast, I mentioned um, an announcement between Google Cloud and Ericsson to drive edge enablement. Um, I, you know, I, I spoke with Matt Kempko uh, with uh, SDX Central this week, and he, you know, he got, he wanted to get some of my perspective on Google. And, you know, and certainly Google is, you know, is in third uh, place relative to to AWS and Azure in my mind with respect to Edge and Telco and that sort of thing. But among other things, yeah, among other things. But you know, so that announcement during Mobile Congress with Ericsson, I think, um, was was really really positive. And then this week, AT and T just on the heels of its announcing um, its uh, you know moving its five G mobile network into the Azure cloud announced that they're gonna partner with Google um, for edge enablement. And I, I expected there would be some edge enablement that would have come out of an Azure announcement, but, but it looks to me that um, AT&T is taking a multi-cloud approach. And I think that's gonna buy them you know, flexibility you know, with respect to deploying both consumer and enterprise services. But what are your thoughts? No, I think it's the right approach. I think uh, if you want to be a vendor, or in this case, want to be a network operator and you want to be able to scale, um, you want to have pretty much all of the different CSPs um, in your network at one point or another. Mm-hmm. And I think that eventually they'll probably have all three cloud um, vendors in their network at one point or another, because it's going to be something that's going to be necessary to deliver certain applications um, yeah. in, the, in the network. Yeah, I mean, just look at the news that, that came out of this Jedi program, right? Where I think, you know, they, you know, the federal government had doubled down on one cloud provider and now they're sort of blowing that up. I think they realize that the smart approach is, you know, is multi-cloud, right? And, you know, and all of these companies have, you know, different, you know, kind of capabilities, you know, to bring to bear. And what I like about Azure and, and AT&T, um, I just recently published a Forbes article, some of my insights this week there, but, that also, I believe, gives AT&T um, another route to market into the enterprise. When you think about Microsoft, when you think about you know, how prevalent they are in the enterprise with some of their core products, like you know, like Office and Teams and you know, and other platforms as well. So, um, so again, I think this is you know a, a bright strategy on on AT&T's part, and I think this is this is good for Google as well. I think uh, it's going to you know put some wind in Google's sails, additional wind. And it's always good, you know, to have strong competitors because, from my perspective, when when you have a very highly competitive um, market, um, that's when innovation really really gets driven. So, but let's move to your second topic this week, and you found a report relative uh, related to five G service delivery. So, why don't you share those uh, details with us? Yeah. So there's a company that does these surveys, um, among many other services that they provide. Um, and this was kind of an updated report on overall global 5G penetration, specifically focusing on um, countries and cities. And their report found that um, there were 1,662 cities with 5G across 65 countries. Mm-hmm. Um, and that uh, among the, the top countries with the most um 5G cities, uh, it was China, the US, and the Philippines hmm. uh, in the top three, and then South Korea, Canada, Finland, Spain, Italy, and the UK, followed by Australia and Saudi Arabia. Um, what is interesting is that they said that there was a 20% increase 
uh, in new 5G cities since the beginning of this year. So mm-hmm. in basically the first half of the year, um, 301 new cities were added to their list of mm-hmm. 5G serviced cities around the world. So yeah. um, this is like their mid-year update. And um, it's showing also that in Asia, um, they are far, they're not far, they are ahead of Europe and the Americas in terms of uh, having 5G coverage mm-hmm. uh, with 641 cities having 5G coverage compared to Europe's five well, EMEA, it's Europe and the Middle East. So EMEA getting 623 and the Americas having 398. So it kind of, it's like a summary of kind of understanding where 5G penetration is today, but it doesn't necessarily talk about coverage or actual users. Um, But it's an interesting update to get to understand kind of what the growth rate is and 20% in, in six months is quite good. It is. And, you know, I, I want to dig into this report um, because I haven't had a, a lot of time, you know, with it. But Viave, I guess I may be mispronouncing Viave. the name. Viave, that's the company that that um, founded it or commissioned it. Um, question for you. I mean, did they did they go into like discrete 5G services? Did they break it down into that or were they just were they really just talking about kind of 5G access deployment? 5G access was was really the focus. Okay. They okay. just generically called it 5G services. Okay, yeah, because that would be really interesting. Maybe you and I can do some digging there, and we can share that on a future podcast. But you know, we talked about you know the T-Mobile Halo partnership. That's super innovative. You know, and I've been on record as saying that you know I believe you know the majority of you know 5G you know services are going to be you know enterprise you know focused. I mean, there's some obvious consumer ones um, that we've talked about in the past. You know, but um, that would be interesting. And I think, you know, as deployments get more mature, I think we'll start seeing some of that data come out. And I think that's something that our viewers and listeners would probably be really interested in. So, but let's move to my third topic this week and it's Huawei in the news. And this is no surprise. I actually, you know, sort of predicted this, you know, with all the challenges they've had with entity listing and that sort of thing, they announced this week that um, they are working on a very broad program to um, develop um, semiconductor fabrication capabilities. So high silicon is uh, Huawei's you know, fabulous design, sem- uh, semiconductor design um, organization. Um, and I did predict, you know, I, I think I wrote this in the Forbes article several months ago that, that the company was likely gonna have to pivot and invest in fab and that's very expensive. It's in the multi-billions of dollars. And you're, you know, you're a little bit deeper on, on semiconductor than I am. So we'd, we'd love your insight here in a moment. But um, you know, the question I have is, you know, can Huawei, I mean, that, that's a pretty monumental task. And China has not been strong in semiconductor fabrication. Um, that's why so much of it has been outsourced. That's really a leadership that the US has and Taiwan has as well. But you know, my question is, can can Huawei scale this quickly enough to support its needs for 5G, you know, from an infrastructure perspective and a device perspective? So I'd love to get your insight on that. Um, I think based on the information that I've seen, there hasn't really been any substantive information about how far along Huawei's efforts really are. Yeah. Um, if these efforts have just begun, uh, they're probably two to four years out. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw some article mentioning that they might have production next year, which either assumes that they've already been doing this for the last two to three and years, <laughs> or 
or uh, they don't understand how semiconductor fabbing works. Right. Um, but I would say that I understand why why Huawei would would do something like this. Um, I think the the problem is is that getting access to um, let's say five nanometer, right, which is where a lot of Huawei's competitors are today. Yeah. Um, I don't understand how five nanometer is possible in China today. Um, they are many nodes behind in their best fabs. So I struggle to understand where this is going mm-hmm. um, or how it will even be achieved. Um, but I think that it's a pretty empty rumor, um, but I can understand why it would happen um, and why people would think it's possible. Yeah. But realistically and practically speaking, I think it's fairly um, uh, it might actually happen, but I don't think it'll happen anytime soon if it does. Yeah, you know, it's it, it's going to be challenging. I mean, it, it's a very, very high bar, you know, with respect to getting into fabrication. So um, we'll definitely keep our, our eyes and ears peeled here. So, but let's move to your third and final topic this week. And you, we're going to talk about T-Mobile again. And it's this is related to, um, to a sporting application, right? Yes. So uh, I believe next weekend is the All-Star Game. Mm-hmm. Um, and that will happen. Yeah, it looks like it happens July 12th. So it's about a week away. Um, and essentially during the all-star game, T-Mobile is getting very involved, um, especially for the home run derby, which is actually going to be called the T-Mobile home run derby. Oh. Um, but what makes it interesting is one, uh, they will have an AR app that allows you to, um, to watch the home run derby in augmented reality. I actually have downloaded the app and tried it out myself. Um, you, they showed it for last year's home run derby and you can actually see like a very detailed model of the, um, the stadium where it's being played. Mm-hmm. And then you can see someone hitting home runs and see the distances. It's very cool, but yeah. that's, while that could be a 5g application with, you know, users using this over 5g, the real interesting 5g application is their, addition of 5g player pov cameras mm-hmm. where they will be for the first time ever attaching hd 5g cameras to players both on their hats and on their on the catcher's uh mask uh to essentially give you know first person perspective of what the players are seeing during the game which has never been done before super cool um, yeah. And it will be very interesting to see how that looks. Um, it says that they're going to be doing this both with audio and video using T-Mobile's 5G network. Mm-hmm. Um, and that there will also be batting practice that you can watch as well um, from a first-person perspective. So uh, I'm very excited to see what this looks like. Um, but it seems like 5G is going to be very heavily touted during the All-Star game, especially during the Home Run Derby. That's awesome. I'm a big Astros fan. I lived in Houston for 10 plus years. And so um, let's definitely share the link where, you know, our you know, viewers and listeners can download, um, at least on the video version of our podcast, where they can download that app. And I'm definitely going to do that as well and play around with it. So yeah, it's open well, hey, to everybody, yeah. not just T-Mobile users. Okay, that's awesome. That's good to know. So well, great. Hey, buddy, another great podcast this week. Why don't you take us home? Absolutely. We hope our viewers and listeners found this week's topics interesting. If anyone out there would like to provide insight on a specific 5G topic for a future podcast, please reach out to us on social media 
Will is at Will Tech, and I'm at Anshal Sag. We hope you have a great weekend, and please tune in again next week.